This is Paul. Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another super short episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. So, How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good, but what do you define as super short? Like, are we done already? We're done. Thank uh, you, guys. See you next week. Roll roll credits. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're talking about two books this week, and, uh, you know, we're, we're in, we're out, you know, we're, we're, we're just like your boyfriend in high school. Bam. We're, we're, we're at, like, prom night. <laughs> Without the just Applebee's like dinner before. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you... <laughs> You really treated your uh, your prom date fine. I, uh, you know, I cooked for my prom date. You cooked for your prom date. My my brother is five years older than me, and uh, I borrowed his apartment instead of instead of paying money for a hotel. I didn't get a hotel. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, if we're, we're talking awkward confessions, <laughs> technically my prom date left with another dude. So, oh, yeah. Oh, Ooh, ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Awkward. Well, you know, so my brother was out of town and he, he was traveling a lot back in those days. And he, he was like, yeah, you can use my apartment. No reason to, to get a hotel. So uh, my, my I, we double dated. Right. And so my uh, my buddy had his girlfriend and they hadn't been dating very long, you know, and uh, apparently things hadn't gone anywhere. Uh-huh. And. And uh, so there we are at my brother's place on prom night, and I had made uh, pizzas, you know, after we got back from prom. Oh, okay. Pizza. I I was about to say, was pizza the the, the meal that you made for your prom date? Yeah, yeah. I made I made homemade pizzas, oh, okay. and and uh, so you know the the pizzas have come out of the oven, and and you know we have been drinking a while because I spent like two hundred dollars in alcohol on prom night, and. Uh, uh, I look over and my friend uh, Jamie is just blottoed. I mean, he is he is he is practically passed out, right? Because he has drank so much. And I look over and my brother had this glass coffee table, right? So I can see through the glass coffee table to what his girlfriend is wearing, and she has changed clothes out of prom uh, clothing and is wearing his uh, 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 tuxedo shirt. Right. And nothing else. (laughs) And I look back at my friend and I'm like, oh, dude, you have really missed out on this opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) And he did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ooh. That, yeah. that, so the you know, awkward prom night stories. That's what we're all about here. A funny that's right. Anna Pauly. That's right. And speaking of awkwardness. Yes, sir. You know what else is rather awkward? I, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, this conversation. <laughs> well, besides the obvious. Uh-huh. Yeah. How about every time I ask you to go to Six Flags over Texas? Well, I, I, I just hate that place. <laughs> it's it's so awkward. Because uh-huh. Aaron, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> Let me make you some pizza, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you want to wear my shirt and nothing yeah. else? <laughs> well, the reason I bring up Six Flags and the reason it has anything to do with this podcast is if you haven't been to a Six Flags, they have Warner Brothers licensed properties. And that specific one there in uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Six Flags over Texas, has a Batman ride and the Justice League and Superman and Mr. Freeze and Harley Quinn and Joker and just a ton, ton of licensed dc property themed rides well this 
I, I don't even want to say this past week because it wasn't. I think it was today, Aaron. Today. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from you. The cast of the upcoming movie Tag was there. Um, that includes guys like Jeremy Renner, um, John Hamm, Clinton Burris, a couple of other folks were there. Uh, and they participated, or, or they actually had like the Guinness people there to participate in the world's largest game of tag right there in Six Flags Over Texas. And then they rode the Batman roller coaster. You could have ridden the Batman roller coaster with Hawkeye. But I, I was busy here making a pizza for you know uh, uh that My ham God. fella <laughs> <laughs> that ham guy <laughs> that ham sandwich guy yeah that guy yeah 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 all right right to there Aaron. Uh-huh. yeah jeremy renner he's in there he's you know putting the putting some stuff on the pizza right now he's he's kind of a, a vegan kind of guy he seems you know, like I, a vegan I, kind of guy with the, with the uh the whole uh eye makeup thing yeah, but, uh, you know, I don't know that I'm really down for a vegan pizza, but, uh, you know, he's making it. He's making it. I, I don't judge too much. Awful much. <laughs> I mean, does Jeremy Renner just burst into flames when he steps on a DC themed ride? I feel I like that's breaking some sort of non-compete contract that he has with Marvel Studios. You know, he might not come back after, you know, he might just stay vanished by Thanos. You know, I got to say, yeah. though, if I'm Jer- Jeremy Renner. And I and if Marvel made me sign a non-complete contract, I'm like, look, fuck you guys. Seriously, I'm in like five <laughs> minutes of every movie you put me in, and you don't even put me in Avengers Part Three. Like, wh- why do I need to sign this contract? That yeah, that's, he's better. He's better. I'm sure. He's angry. Yeah, he's angry. an angry, angry Hawkeye. Why are you so angry? Did you well, read so Steel Number Two? Is that what happened? <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, so like last week, we're going to just focus on two books. And um, much like last week, you're you're going to start feeling like we are sponsored by DC and or Warner Brothers. However, we are not. Uh, we actually bought two Marvel comic books this week, or I bought three Marvel comic books this week. Suck it, Aaron. Um, I bought The Immortal Hulk, Doctor Strange, and Ant-Man and the Wasp this week. But I bought we'll, two of those three. I bought two of those three. Two of those three. But we won't be I talking got the about immor- those. I got the Immortal Hulk, and I got the Doctor Strange book, and we can talk about those next week. Yes, because Ant-Man and the Wasp was written by Mark Waid. That's why I picked that up. Yeah. Um, but yes, no, today we're going to we're gonna follow up on last week's conversation uh, and talk about Man of Steel number two, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Doc Shaner, Steve Rude, and Jason Fabok, who, who's going by Jay Fabok um, nowadays. So... You know, the, the cover is the, the next series of connecting covers by Ivan Rice. Um, under that cover, there is an advertisement for Titans number 23. So it seems like along with launching a new Justice League title, um, Titans and Teen Titans are getting like a, a new creative team revamp uh, as well. And Titans, uh, I, I don't know what you thought of that ad, but uh, kind of interesting. I still hate Beast yeah. Boy, but it, it's certainly an interesting looking ad. Beautiful art. I don't mind Beast Boy as long as he's changeling. I mind him as Beast Boy. Yeah. Well, he's referred you know, to as Beast Boy here. Yeah. That, that's what my point, though, is that I, when he's changeling, I'm fine with that. I, I have issues with him being Beast Boy. I like the addition of Steel to the team. Yeah. You know, uh, John Henry Irons' niece, I think is who she is. Yes. Um, and I like that, you know, Raven appears to be uh, not a child anymore. Um, so I, I, I like that too. So I might give this a shot, Paul. 
I might as well. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to pop to the end of the book here because there's an ad for Teen Titans as well as a preview. I don't know if you read the short I'm, preview. I, you know, fuck you in that Teen Titans preview. Why? You know, I'm so tired of them telling the Brother Blood story. How many times are we going to lay new tread on that tire? <laughs> Why fuck me, though? I didn't yeah, write no, it. Yeah, no, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. You're trying to lure me into a Teen Titans book. I mean, so it, it, I, I will say the cover is rather awful for uh-huh. the Teen Titans um, book. Yeah, it's got Robin doing, like, the duck face thing. Um, but it's written by Adam Glass, art by Bernard Chang. The art inside the book is actually not too bad. But I... I kind of like that robin you know instead of saying teen titans together um he says teen titans seek and destroy is their new battle cry <laughs> I, I kind of like that <laughs> it's a mouthful though yeah <laughs> teen titans seek and destroy I, I'm, <laughs> I'm hopeful that the brother blood thing is just an introduction like you know like the opening sequence of a movie kind of thing Maybe I, it just, it feels like, I mean, how many times am I going to read that story? Yeah. I'm really not a blood, brother blood fan to begin with. You know, I didn't mind it in the original Titans. I it's the, uh, it's all the subsequent storytelling with teen Titans. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think Jeff Johns took a run at it and, you know, he changed it up a little bit, but I, and, and don't get me wrong. I like the Jeff Johns run overall on Titans. Uh, yeah. I just don't care for brother blood. I'm with you on that. So, so but, let's talk about the book between those two ads. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I am of mixed emotions on this book, Aaron. Mixed I, emotions. Well, I am. I, I, I feel you there, Paul. And I think I, there are things to like about this book, and, and oh, there are things to despise. For me, I feel like there is a clear delineation in this book. And I appreciate that this book puts a clear delineation on the good stuff and the shit by just <laughs> swapping out artists. Yeah. Like, it's obvious. Like, hey, starting on page 16, this book is going to be a piece of garbage. Everything up till then, I was enjoying. Um, So the first 13 pages are by Doc Shaner. Um, Very brief sequence where they're they're still trying to... um, you know, they're they're touching on this mystery of Rogel Czar and whether he had anything to do with Krypton's destruction. Um, and then we, we we jump to present day. There's a brief sequence in the uh, the newsroom, the the Daily Planet, before we jump to Superman fighting a giant toy man robot in Co City. A brief appearance by uh, by Green Lantern, and I pretty much enjoyed every single page in that thing. I, I find it interesting how Doc Shaner's art style seems to have evolved. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if, you know, ba- you know, his, his art from the, uh, the Flash Gordon days, it, it seems to have matured a bit. He's almost like a, a Tom Grummet style looking at it now. You know, a part of me thinks that it's not his art so much as it is the colorist working on his art. Oh, that's true. And uh, the inker. Yeah, I don't know who the inker yeah. is off the top of my head, but that's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that that his style has changed at all. I, what I notice is that you know there's a there's a great deal more depth in the you know digital coloring that uh, occurs over at DC than perhaps over at it wasn't IDW who oh, it was uh, Dynamite. Yeah, right? that was Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I I just I I think DC's got a deeper stable plus Man of Steel is uh is pretty much the premium book right now so you know they're going to put their top talent on it 
Because, I mean, you know, look at those colors. There's a lot going on in that page. There, there is. And then you jump to the two-page spread in the middle of the book by uh, Jason Fabach. And I, mm-hmm. I know he's going by Jay. I need to refer to him as Jay. By Jay Fabach. Um, and it is, it is just a glorious two-page spread. Yeah. Um, everything that guy touches looks looks amazing. So, you know, beautiful, beautiful colors. Um, we're flashing back there to further uncover the mystery of what happened uh, with Lois and John. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert on, you know, yes, of course, you know, they're clearly missing as of the events of this series. But it, it's, I mean, it's pretty much already been confirmed that at some point we're going to see John and Lois back in the book. Um, right. That's just part of the ongoing mystery. And then... Then we have page 16 and Steve yeah. Rude, who I'm normally the, a fan of, takes over the arc. Same here. And the book falls apart narratively at that point. Right. Absolutely. I mean, both, both visually and in the textual narrative falls completely apart. I mean, it is such a wild disconnect from everything else we had before. And I'm certain that's intentional that, you know, they wanted to have a, 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 a strong break in the storytelling. But, you know, we get it, it took me a little while to understand that that wasn't a jump in time, right? That, you know, when you flipped over from the page by, by Jason Fabok over to the page by Stephen Rood, that wasn't a jump in time. That was literally Superman got knocked to the moon. Right? Yeah. Well, it didn't get knocked to the moon or did he just fly to the moon to, to cry? That's, I got the impression he just flew to the moon to cry. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, he, maybe it was, you know, him crying. But then you had that whole weird the the weird panels with like ambush bug and the rubik's cube and you know the 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 cannonball yeah i mean i did awkward under- transition yeah and i mean i'm like where where is i don't understand it's a really weird transition mm-hmm. and the, you've got these you know you're this intergalactic bar scene uh that's really weird and then you know it you know it it we learn we we figure that that is the the bad guy's name Corgles are and you know he has oh shit Superman's alive he, Superman's a Kryptonian I got to go fucking kill that guy and the the transitions and like I said like you said I really like Stephen Rude's art it does not work in this book and I'm trying to determine if it's if I have issues with with the writing or the narrative art you know the, the the way that the art defines the narrative because um the fact that at one point superman uses um those giant inflating you know thing inflatable stretchy guys that they have outside uh-huh. of car lots to, yeah, yeah. to save people from burning building and it is incoherent from yeah. the art i you know it, it you know you you kind of just guess that that's what's happening um but sometimes, I mean, the, the the dialogue seems fine. The Superman's voice certainly doesn't change. But the the art, and again, I don't know if it's just a mixture of both or what. But it's certainly that that, that second half of the book is such a stark contrast um, that it, it it is it is it is hard to read. Well, and what's up with that business suit that Clark's wearing? Yeah. I mean, it is like straight out of like 1950s. Well, what about the leopard <laughs> I mean, print vest that Perry White's wearing? Well, you know, at least you could you could argue that you know maybe maybe Perry's demonstrating a little style, right? Yeah. Um, but I, the the suit and the cut of the suit is just ridiculous, and I appreciate that that's Stephen Rude's style. 
I, it bothers me when the artist style overwhelms the visual story. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, I mean, it was just jarring how he was depicting Clark in this book. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's rough. Um, I, you know, it's, I, I, I didn't enjoy the second half of this issue. Well, and then we get a full, uh, you know, third of a page panel with Rogel's R riding his big space motorcycle with his ax over his shoulder. And I mean, I'm like, you know, if this is the image that you wanted, why didn't you make Lobo your bad guy? Exactly. That, that is yeah. exactly what I thought. I'm like, uh, he just looks like Lobo to me, you know? Yeah. Or, and one, why have just a third of a page? If Rogel Zar is really this dynamic of a villain, full page spread. Yeah. You know, give me a full page spread because there's no impact to that final panel. Um, well, and he, he, he looks ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, as rid- ridiculous as Clark looks uh, in that suit, uh, Rogel's are just, I mean, he's laughably designed. Yeah. Uh, um, and, 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 you know, I we, we already have mentioned that we're not huge fans of Rogel's are's design anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, um, it, it's, it's, it is, and it's just lame. It, yeah. You know, it, 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 if you want Lobo, give me Lobo. And I get that Lobo's a different character and you're going for a different story. But he just looks like Lobo in that in that last yeah. panel. Agreed. You know, so next week, uh, the art uh, or the artist on Man of Steel number three is Ryan Souk, who's another talented artist. Um, and obviously we'll have Jay Fabok doing a couple pages like he seems to be doing in each issue. Um, again, it's I am I, I liked the first half of this book. I'm still hopeful mm-hmm. for the the book as a whole. Um, I don't I don't put it on Bendis. Um, and and I do. Quite frank, do you? Okay, I do because of the design of the bad guy. True, he did sign uh, off know, on that. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry, that's just ridiculous. You know, I mean, if you're just gonna have just random bad guy with an axe, pick somebody out of your own stable of characters. Yeah. Right. If you're going to if you're going to bring me a new Superman bad guy who is supposed to truly threaten Superman, um, make sure that you design a character that is worthy of that. And he just didn't do it. So, you know, I, I, I wish somebody at D.C. had said, you know what, let's use Lobo. Let's rewrite Lobo. Let's let's provide Lobo some history that maybe he could have filled this role. Right. I mean, give him some backstory or, you know, there's any number of different characters you could have used to do this um, rather than creating somebody who just doesn't look necessary. Because let me tell you, I don't see I don't I don't think any of us are going to be talking about Rogel Czar in five years. No, you know, and I'm I'm hopeful that we will get a reason that we have chosen a new character um, at some point in the series. You know, I Mm -hmm. hope that Rogel Czar will will give me a reason that he he exists. But right now I'm not seeing it. I, and, you know, in, in the short times that I've seen him in both Man of Steel number one, two, uh, and I guess um, the short bit from the Action Comics 1000, so far unimpressed. He, I, he, he actually was portrayed a little bit better in Man of Steel number one than he was in Man of Steel number two. I agree. So the other big book this week from DC comics was Scott Snyder and Jim Chung's first issue of the new justice league book. Um, now I don't believe Jim Chung is on the book going forward. I think it's uh, next issue is Jorge Jimenez. Uh, oh, but he's good too. Yeah, he's, he's good too. I think uh, Jim Chung was just, uh, 
you know, brought in to to launch the title. I don't. In fact, I don't know if he's doing any other issues. I hope he is because uh, if there's one thing I want to make sure that I I, I I cement in my opinion about Justice League number one is that this book is gorgeous. It is. It is. It is strikingly gorgeous, including the cover by Jim Chung. Yes. Is just. I mean, that is a Justice League cover to me. You know, in fact, I, this is I would welcome this as a T-shirt. Yes. <laughs> you know, it is it is simply gorgeous. But let me tell you about the variant cover by Jim Lee that for some reason has Batman on it. Um, I hate this cover. I think it's supposed to be a connecting cover. It's you know, with the, it'll probably go through the first I don't know how many uh, issues. I guess six or seven issues. Gotcha. Uh, and connect. You know, one will be for each character. But yeah, it's 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 a it's. It's a rather generic portrayal of well, Batman. And it's it's a weird stance for Batman to be in. You know, it's it's one of those illustrations that it looks like the hero is crouching to be in the panel. Yeah. Um and, and I mean he's he's in this weird, you know, he's got one leg up, the other leg behind him, and it's just a little ridiculous. Um I abs absolutely hate this. And you know, I, I think that Jim Lee is a very, you know, talented penciler in terms of that he can draw the anatomy. I just don't think he's got much of an artist eye. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, I think Jim Lee at some point just needs to retire and just focus on his, uh, his business duties. But the Jim Chung art in this book is just amazing. And let me tell you, I was stoked when I got to see the, uh, 1 million era heroes, you know, from, you know, 85,000 years from now. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't figure out why DC had the one million books on sale uh, on Comixology last week. And now we know. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, 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 and I want to say something in regards to that before we move, because uh, the the reference to the one million uh, books that I think, was that a Morrison thing? Yes. I feel, yeah, Morrison. Yeah. Um, you know, the reference to that and the reference to Kamandi for 5,000 years from now. Mm -hmm. Great. I loved it. But at the same time, we are given to believe, uh, you know, as of the the that one of the main story threads that's going to be through this book is that the multiverse is di is dying and only has mm -hmm. a year left. But you're showing me scenes that these occur are... in five thousand years or eighty five thousand years. Well, but the multiverse is other other dimensional, right? These are showing you our Earth in various time frames. Ah, okay, yeah, fair point. So you've got 85,000 years from now, 85,000 years ago, 5,000 years from now, and then now, because uh, all of that takes place, quote, in our universe. Um, I love that we got to see Kamandi. Yeah, you know, I thought anytime, that was great. Anytime, anytime you dust off Kamandi, this guy's happy. <laughs> uh, I, I, I got to tell you, there's a, there's a lot to like in this book. But, Paul, you know, you cited earlier, you know, in Man of Steel – that things went to shit for you on page 16. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that this book started to bother me on page 20. Um, Is that I when liked they blew up the moon? Um, actually, it was when uh, the when they blew up the moon happens. I'm looking. Happens. It does happen earlier in the uh, book than that. Yeah, it does. It happens like page 13. But uh, it's when the... Um, the ju the Injustice Legion shows up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and while I enjoy the art on that, it's 
it all starts falling into place. But so let me let me backtrack and say what I liked about the book. I liked that the league is working together like guys who've known each other for years. I like that the league is working together as people who know each other, who are friends with one another, who care about each other. Yep. That is what the Justice League books have been missing to me. Scott I love- captures that feeling perfectly. Oh, I mean, and I mean, on the second page of the book, you're in. Yeah. You know, they, you know, at the end of Justice No Justice, um, they opened up or they were about to open up the Hall of Justice, right? Because they made the decision, we need to be down here amongst the peoples. This building is for everyone. People can come. People can go. Um, and so they, you, you're down there with the Hall of Justice in Washington, D.C. And it is wonderfully told as they're talking about the uh, the different artifacts that they're displaying and how they've been depowered and how Batman had to testify in front of a Senate committee to make sure to, so that the Senate could be uh, convinced that all of this is uh, depowered and safe. And tell me how we're supposed to know that Batman and don't say it just because you're Batman, <laughs> you know, uh, and then you've got all the Justice Leaguers doing their Batman impersonations. And Paul, Wonder Woman going, I'm the goddamned Wonder Woman, killed me. Yes, I loved it. Killed me. <laughs> all of that stuff is great. But it's when the the book starts getting into a very – it started reminding me too much of the metal books in that – I would agree. The – the threat is very structured. The threat is, you know, it, it, it feels artificial. You know, it doesn't feel like this is anything that is just happening organically in, t- in, in terms of the story. It feels like, you know, we've got this great big MacGuffin and here are all the little MacGuffins that have to be, you know, solved until we can solve the great big MacGuffin. And it just – there's just something to – algebraic about it, like we're solving a formula, uh, that it doesn't feel like we're, we are allowing for the nuance of the characters that we're letting the, it, it, I guess maybe it's too plot driven. Uh, I'm wanting something that's a little bit more character driven, despite the fact we've got some great characters on the page and we've got some, some, some great character moments, but this overall story of, you know, all these pieces, parts have to fit together. And I, and I wish I had a better way to explain it um, really is frustrating to me and reminds me so much of metal as it probably should since Scott Snyder wrote metal. Yeah, uh, I will say. And, oh, go ahead. And if the, let me ask one more thing. If the Senate is so concerned about the artifacts in the Hall of Justice that they're going to bring Batman down to Capitol Hill and uh, and have a talk with him. Why wouldn't they also say, oh, and by the way, Batman, we're going to imprison you for possibly murdering the universe? Yeah, because that's what Batman has done. He's the guy who's responsible for you know starting the whole metal fiasco, breaching the source wall and allowing our universe's energy to bleed out and let all the funky shit in. And oh, by the way, we find out that our universe has about a year to live, all because of the fucking Batman. <laughs> for me, I think um, the book doesn't fall apart for me as much as it seems to have for you. I, 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 I do have some concerns that you know we're going to go a bit metal on it, um, and and you know the, the problem with metal is that at some point it just became a bit incoherent. 
Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that won't happen here. What, what, what did strike me in this book, uh, is that it reads very much like the Jonathan Hickman Avengers run. Um, -hmm. the, the one that led into time runs out that led into secret wars because reading this, the multiverse only has a year to, 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 to survive. And, you know, we have glimpses of the future and, you know, when, when you know that the multi, that something big multiversal big is going to happen in a year you kind of know that okay things are going to happen that wouldn't normally happen because we're leading to some form of continuity reset for certain things um you know vandal savage is murdered in this issue by lex luther you know i i think that it, it reads to me like this is the start of that that will lead up to something like a secret wars or, and so th- this struck me very Hickman esque. And Hickman had a lot of the same faults that Snyder does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as much as I love that Avengers arc, there were some times where, you know, there would be an issue where it's like, this is the best thing I've ever read, and the next issue I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of I'm starting to see a, a similar trend in in the way Snyder writes these characters as well. And, well, and I, I think the character aspects are, are great. I think it's the, it's when the characters fit a story rather than the characters, like you said, um, yeah. that I, that I, I find fault in, in, in my enjoyment of the book, but I did enjoy this book. I enjoyed it up to a point, but you know, I think one of the problems I'm having with the, with this set of DC books is that we just had the cosmic issue with metal, Right followed immediately by the No Justice book, right, which had a similar cosmic issue. Yeah. Followed now by this arc in Justice League. And I'm like, you know, can't the Justice League just ever fight something that isn't, you know, universe ending? And maybe this is just set up for an for the ongoing storyline. And we will see smaller storylines throughout the year. But we've got a year to live, Paul. And that's my thing. Right. By setting up the fact that the multiverse only has a year to go, you you set up this weird dichotomy for me of I'm the goddamn Wonder Woman. Well, why are you cracking jokes? Because you only have a year to live. Right. <laughs> like, why, why are we why are we, you know, setting up a Hall of Justice and, and, and taking the time to set up costumes on display and, and de-weaponize things on display when the universe only has a year to live? Yeah, it seems to me like what we should be doing is, you know, shrinking down all of the people on the planet, loading them up on the uh, cosmic submarine and blasting through the bleed so we can find an alternate universe that will support us as they did in, in Final Crisis. I was about to say, that's Final yeah. Crisis. <laughs> that seems like maybe that's what we need to be doing. Yeah, and so... We don't have time to fuck around. It yeah. takes a while to shrink those people down, Paul. Exactly. We have a year, and so that's weird. It's, it is it is weird that they set up this year to live thing, but everyone's still cracking wise. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, I mentioned this briefly earlier, they destroy the moon. Uh-huh. In, in this book. Yeah. And, and that fucks up everything. Like, you it know, seems just, weird just, to me that that's just like, they destroyed the moon. Yeah. And let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> like, huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah there's, uh, there are going to be some problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, my science class taught me there's going to be some problems. Yeah. So it's, it's, that was, I found that very interesting. Now, yeah. you know, for me, I don't want to say they're minor, qui- minor quibbles because they're not, they, they are major concerns. Um, but I, I truly enjoyed every 
page where the Justice League was interacting with each other. I loved the concept of the psychic uh, boardroom. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, that John Jones has set up the psychic boardroom. Again, very Hickman-esque. Um, and so I, I enjoyed all those aspects of it. I'm just, I have concerns as to where the story is going. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree. I'm yeah. I'm in for the next issue. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not wild about some of the things that that popped up in this book. But Paul, something that I'd like to point out that I that I am wild about. Uh, DC has taken to uh, releasing a free monthly magazine. Yes. Uh, that's available digitally called DC Nation. I didn't I didn't realize that it was going to be monthly. The last one I read, which came out on Free Comic Book Day, I just assumed was part of the Free Comic Book Day thing and you know one and done. But it looks like they're going to do this monthly. And I'm sorry, I think this is exactly what the comic book company should be doing, particularly making it available free in the uh, in the digital space. Uh, it really creates a community. Uh, to you know, read more about the books you're reading. You'll know, learn learn about the creators. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I do too. I, free I, is the way to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just love this thing from top to bottom. It is it is just excellent. It's got a nice article in there about Scott Snyder and and Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff in there. Check it out. DC Nation. It's available absolutely free on your Comicsology app. Uh, so check that out. And Paul, I think that's it. I think that we're done talking about comic books this week. Unless you wanted to tell me about what's coming out next week. Well, I, I'm going to briefly mention that Mr. Miracle will return next week in Mr. Miracle number nine. So I think that we may finally, finally, finally have our long-awaited conversation where we discuss our dream casting for a New Ooh. Gods movie. Ooh, very exciting. Ooh. We, we may fit in some conversation regarding the Marvel books that we didn't get a chance to talk about this week. Um, there is a new Plastic Man book coming out next week, written by Gail Simone. What's your interest level on that, Aaron? I think I, I like Gail Simone. Yeah. It's, a, it's enough to make me overcome my uh, Plastic Man aversion. Yeah. Uh, and I'm enjoying Plastic Man and the Terrifics. So I think I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I think and, so. uh, and obviously, that's a voice I'm going to keep doing. Oh, oh, we're going to wrap this up here in a second, then. <laughs> um, and Man of Steel number three comes out next week, so we will continue our conversation uh, to see where Brian Michael Bendis is taking us. Paul, always a pleasure. Yeah, I mean, usually. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. That's fair. That's fair. But I want you to go out and make it a great week. I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to go blow cool. up the moon. Uh, yeah, fuck that moon. <laughs> it did nothing. It does nothing for us. Fuck you, fuck the Teen Titans, and fuck your moon! Bye, everyone. (laughs) Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 